Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Self-Discovery Mediums right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my renowned world guest here is Vincent Jenner. He is a psychic. He is a therapist. He is a spiritual teacher. And here today, he's going to teach us about our relationships, those relationships that we think we have under control, but we don't. And so we're going to be talking about the myths in the relationships today and what may hinder your happiness. Now, um, we were meant to do the show a little while ago, but he got really stuck into his book. We're going to find all about that as well today. And we're going to talk about all the other wonderful things that he's been doing and does do. But what is a psychic therapist? How are they different to any other therapist? And how can it help us differently to what everybody else can do with it? Let's dive right into it. Well, how great to be here uh, with you, Sarah. Disclaimer here, folks, today we do have a little bit of an internet problem, a bit choppy, wonderful, wonderful, uh, which is going to be unstable. So can you first describe for people that may be uh, a little on the fence, what is a psychic therapist? Right. Well, you've got your psychics and you've got your psychotherapists, right? So I consider myself both psychic and psycho. Wait. <laughs> that, that didn't sound right, We but... hope not too much on the psycho side of things. Oh, really? <laughs> that wasn't an internet glitch either. I am psycho. Um, here, here, here is the thing. As a psychic, I get to see the past, present, and the future. I get to dive deep within your conscious, your, your psyche, all the way down into your unconscious mind into the darkest place. And while I was doing that, I knew that that took a great responsibility, Sarah. So what I decided to do was to go back to school because one, I didn't want to be considered just a regular psychic. Those were the loonies from California. You know what I mean? It was just crazy people. They were psychics. I didn't know I was going to be exactly a psychic. Um, and I wanted to give more credibility to who I was, and I wanted to understand the human mind. As long as I was diving into the human mind, I wanted to know all about it. So I went back to get my bachelor's degree in psychology and my master's in clinical social work. And at that time, I actually became a psychotherapist and I had my own private practice and I was working with clients on my own, even though psychically I was able to jump right to where their problems were because I saw them, but I had to take my time because I was licensed and I had to follow certain policies. From my own practice, I actually then began to work for hospice, an organization here with Duke University. And so I was a hospice clinical social worker and worked with the dying. Again, still being able to see all the issues going deep within because of my senses, that kind of opened the door between me and my clients. Well, that kind of work 
really restricted me because as again, a licensed psychotherapist, I had to follow certain protocols in order to deal with my clients. I couldn't just tell them, well, here's what the issue is and here's what your answer is and what you need to do. They had to come to it themselves. I can only say certain things, right? So that I really didn't like. And it was taking people so long to get their answers. I said, if people can come up with their own answers, they would have done it years ago. And they haven't. So that's what I decided to hang up the shingle on the side, put my license on the shelf and just go right full blown into being a psychic medium. But because I had that therapist background, I really am a psychic therapist because I can do that work with them that most psychics and mediums can't. A matter of fact, when I was over in England, I, I went there and I go there occasionally to keep up my skills as a medium because they have a college there in Stansted, which is absolutely fabulous, uh, Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences. And I wanted to open up that door um, of me being able to connect with the other side even more so, so that was more clear. And I could use that more professionally to help people. And it was so funny because I would do readings during my classes uh, for the other students there as, as part of the program. And the students would go, are we supposed to be giving readings like Vince is giving them? Because I can't do that. And, <laughs> And the teachers were like, no, 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 no. Vince is, is, is experienced in psychotherapy, which is the reason why he goes that deep. You don't need to go that deep. So that's what a psychic therapist is, is I use my skills as an intuitive, as a medium, but I go deep down to where the problem lies so that we can unblock, release, and you can get your life in the direction you want it to go. That's why, that's the difference, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. um, you're guided, you know, I always say that, um, you know, when we open up that gut instinct, why do you know? I don't know, I just know. So, you know, I call that the channeling, opening up your soul's wisdom, letting resonate with the heart, speak to the spirit in action, the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it, right? So you have the intellect to know how to deliver the wisdom, right? But you're not just relying on the knowledge. Right. Absolutely. That's well said. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I follow that inspiration all the time with all my work in what I need to deliver to the clients. What do they need? Yeah. And, you know, don't you find that most of the time what clients think they need is not what they need? What they think is the problem is not what the problem is. And your ability to go deep and actually see where the core problem is can open things up so much more. And, and be able to clear it a lot faster. <laughs> it's funny that you put it that lightheartedly. Um, <laughs> most of my clients don't know what they need. And right. so they call me up expecting to hear one thing, and I turn around and I let them know right away, you are not going to hear what you want to hear today. You're going to hear what you need to hear today. Yes. And so that's where I take them. And most people don't believe what they think they believe anyway. Uh, that's the foundation of all of my work and stop stopping yourself and become unstoppable that my radio program on unity online radio it's all based on that because of their psychological anomalies and that's what going to school helped me to understand yes. is some of the things that the brain does 
to get in the way of all that wonderful knowledge that we may be picking up from books, from classes, from listening to shows like yours. Why isn't that all working for everybody? Why is ancient wisdom working as wise as it's supposed to work? Because there's other things that get in the way, and that's what I help people with, are those other things. Mm. Um, I also find that, you know, people, um, the emphasis has been a great deal in the last century or so on head knowledge, intellect. And we've forgotten how to be intuitive and in tuned with, you know, uh, the messaging. We're never alone. The answers are always within us. We just don't know how to access them because I think many of the time the intellect gets in the way. Well, again, it's because of those anomalies. We have a protective layer because <clears throat> above the intuition mind, which is the soul's mind, that resides down deep in the unconscious mind. There is a layer of maladaptive beliefs that we formed about ourselves. And then as we got older, the protective mind portion of the brain that protects us and shields us because that's part of what the brain is supposed to do. Its number one priority is to keep us alive and its second priority is to protect us. And we certainly know how it protects us physically. For example, this coronavirus that's going around. Oh, you lost me, I lost you too. Okay, hold on, let's see, let's play with this. I've done this before and it's worked. I started. Oh, are you back? Okay, am I back? Yeah, yeah, yes, you're back. I'm sorry, we lost you there. What, no, you I know. What, we have, what we have to do every so often is mute the mic and unmute the mic because the internet is, is being um, interfered with by the atmosphere and the cosmos. And let's face it, Sarah, right. the energy that we have, we could power a third world nation. So that's getting in the way too, you know, between you and me, all our energy. Yes. <laughs> so I was yes. talking about that um, there is a set of defenses that actually are created to protect us and shield us from those emotional beliefs we have that make us feel bad about ourselves. I call them the I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not deserving. Well, as we grow up, again, the mind, the brain protects us from that. And while it's protecting us from the negative stuff, it's also shielding that intuitive stuff that's trying to make its way up. So we wind up going into the intellect because we don't trust what's coming from the intuitive part, the down below part, because we, it may be some negative stuff. It may be one of those, I'm, oh, I'm silly. I'm not good enough. Um, I shouldn't be going to this party. I shouldn't be dating this person. We don't want to hear all of that. So we push it down, we push it down and we just jump right into the intellectual mind to give us the answers for everything. So that's what winds up happening. Why we don't listen to that intuitive part of us, which is the most important part of who we are. Oh, oh, one trillion percent. I think also that when it comes to relationships, everybody's seeking for the validation relationship. You complete me. You validate me. You know, uh, the reflection of other people's opinion on me. And we don't realize that that relationship that we first must have is with self. 
and our own beingness. And if we can have that beautiful, loving, divine relationship with self, we will vibrationally attract those people that are on the same frequency. Well, that's the whole thing. Like attracts like to start with. And what you said is so important is most of, I just, matter of fact, I just had a client that that's what it was all about. They attracted because of their emotional needs, not because of unconditional love or that they were supposed to be in that relationship. They were seeking, like you said, somebody to validate them, somebody to, to be nice to them, to tell them that they, they love them. And so when that happens, you know, the sparks fly real quick. But those emotional needs wind up ending. And then what are you left with? And a lot of times you find you're left with nothing because there is no foundation that that marriage was built off of. Um, it's very interesting. My wife and I have been together for 48 years, married for 43, going on 44 now. It's getting really close, um, but it's been amazing. In the beginning, we both had emotional needs. And so we, we attracted to each other, but then I had the spiritual awakening and both of us started working on healing ourselves and our past because she came from a bad past, a divorce situation and parents, and I came from an abusive past. So we lacked the self-love that we really are supposed to have, but we were seeking somebody to feed that to us. So we found each other, right? And we were good for each other. Oh, she fed me, I fed her. But then when we started working on ourselves, and I always knew even before then, I said, hmm, what happens if she stops needing me? Is she still going to love me and want to be with me? And that always scared me. Then we started working on ourselves yeah. to heal ourselves. And I remember specifically one day, it was several years into our spiritual growing, I was doing a reading for somebody and I had just finished. And at the time she had to drive to, to Manhattan, New York city by herself. We were living in New Jersey and she had to drive. She never drove to the city by herself. If we ever drove there, I did the driving. So she had to drive there and pick somebody up. So she gets there and she gives me a call of course back in those days there were no cell phones you had to wait until she got to work right so she gets to a phone and she calls me and I'm like hi honey um uh, did you make it okay yes and i'm so excited i said oh why she said because i made it here without you i finally realize i don't need you anymore mm -hmm. and for a moment my heart dropped and i'm like this is that day. She doesn't need me anymore. And before I could feel bad, she followed it up with saying, I realize I love you now because I want to, not because I need to. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that is when the growth of our relationship, it, it just bloomed even more so because the emotional needs ended and we found what our real foundation was. It was true, unconditional love. And everybody can have that, Sarah, everybody, not just me. Right. You know, we are needy beings, you know, because I think um, I always say society's expectation upon us is totally delusional. Um, this, we've got to be this, we've got to be that, we've got to fit this box, we've got to be that image. 
and you you know this thing you've got to please everyone and you spent my first 50 years bending into a pretzel trying to please everyone and the person that was suffering was me with a bad back bending all the time right and it was like <clears throat> this is a dead end street i'm not pleasing anyone and i'm repeating me in giving so much of myself away and where is where is me how can this relationship be honest how can it really be true if it's costing so much of me and yet still i'm not meeting their needs and you know then it became where i have to pour that love back on me that i'm so freely giving away to others and i think it's kind of one of the hardest things that we can do for ourselves is turn that love back on ourselves because the back of our minds oh you're just being egotistical you know who do you think you are you're all so full of yourself but we don't realize that love of self is our actual compass it's our it's our very core being and energy that goes out to everyone else but that's one of the hardest things to do isn't it um it is but it's supposed to be that way to start with we've come here to experience yeah. self-love um, right. And when you take what you're talking about on top of our stories from our youths and the messages yeah. we received from the environment, which weren't all positive. So we didn't learn how to nurture ourselves. We didn't learn that we were lovable because the two most important things you're supposed to learn from your parents growing up, you learn everything else from the world. But the two most important things you're supposed to learn is whether you're lovable and how to love yourself. And the pattern in which the way you are treated positively or negatively is the pattern you pick up on how you treat yourself. Okay. And so that has all to do with relationships. And there's so many different myths that have come out of understanding relationships that it really attracting the proper, proper relationship has nothing to do with anybody else. And that's right. not a myth, that's a truth. Attracting a relationship has nothing to do with anybody else. You will attract who you are. That's the most mm -hmm. important understanding everybody has. And I always have this formula that people need to use, and we'll talk about that um, before we leave, um, that people can do to assure them an absolutely perfect match and attraction. So it's more than even just taking away the love from what you're giving out, because quite honestly, if you're giving it to everybody, you're giving it away, you're not giving love, you're still giving need, because love starts from within you, not outside of you. And people would love to think, oh, I love my, I hear this from mothers all the time. I love my children more than I love me. No, you don't. It's impossible. You can't. And if you're saying that, you're saying you need your children more than you need you. And the proof is that is if your kids, if you love them more than you love yourself, if they go off and they form their own lives, do they have to get back in touch with you at all? Do they have to connect with you? Of course they do. Of course they're my children. I want them to connect. And I'm like, well, isn't that a condition? Isn't yeah. that an expectation then? So don't tell me that you love them unconditionally because you expect in return and that's because right. you don't have enough love for yourself and when mm -hmm. you give the proper love it is automatically returned without expectation and without need that's the beauty of love and relationships when you give it when you feel it for yourself the right way 
you give it the right way and you receive it the right way. That's so important. And you receive it from more than just one. You receive right, it from right. everybody. But if you are not feeling it and starting first within, yeah. it's not going to come on the outside the right way. Right. But that's You've not the myth. You've got to become the love you see. Right, yeah. You've got to become the love you see, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. Well said. So we're reflective creatures. We're going to reflect um, how we feel, whether it's misery, sadness, loss, unloved, or anything else. But when we step into that love of self, of life, of the reason why we're of life, of meaningful purpose, you know, That's that reason right. to get up every day because it fulfills you. Then that love starts exuding from you because you have so much to share. But it is the old oxygenate yourself first, isn't it? Fill yourself with love first. And that love is, I don't need anyone else. I desire to be connected to other people, but not That's because right. I need them. It's because I want to extend this love and this vibration right. and resonate it out more. So yeah. we have to look at love on a totally different lens. And we learn about ourselves. See, the whole reason for couples to start with, we created that. The God source didn't. God created, spirit created only the soul. That's it. And we were androgynous. We're the ones that created everything else, which is why if you get the original Bible, it says Adam is the son of man. It's not the mm -hmm. son of God, it's the son of man. So that story is our first physicality that we created on the earth. That's where that stems from. But we come together to learn more about ourselves. The deeper the relationship, the deeper you find out about what's within you, what you're capable of, all of the compassion, all of that love, all of the kindness, all of the caring, all of the giving you, wow. So. When I do my work, I don't say or believe that the reason why I can do my work is because of how much love I get from my wife. It's actually because right. of how much love I gave to her and I give to her and I go, mm -hmm. wow, I'm capable of so much. If I can give to her, I can give to others too. And and there is people, not a cap on love, is there? That there's no cap there on love. You know, oh and, no, you're full. Right, exactly. You the, right. you can just love abundantly. <laughs> abundantly. And it's so funny that people are jealous of loving somebody else. I've seen so many relationships. It's like, well, you're closer with your friends than you are with me. It's just like, that's not true. I'm, I'm, I've got so much love for you that I can have love for them too. I can have love for everybody because that's what we're made of. And, and again, yes that emotional need, we need to be needed. And we'll, I'll add a little bit caveat on the end of that. We need to be needed more than anybody else you need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not just about, well, you need me and that's fabulous. I want, I want you to need me more than you need him or her too. More right. than you need that person. I need you to need yeah. me. I need to be your priority. I need to be your number one. You're my number one. You know, why do we need that? Because we lack so much of it to start with. We lack so much love in this right. world. 
And it, it, it's like we need to hold on to it. A matter of fact, it even affects our grieving. Or well, as a hospice social mm -hmm. worker, and this is what I learned the most working with um, the seniors who, and I work with all ages who are dying, of course. And when you're on hospice, it could be for any reason. But but the most part is when children are losing their senior parents, right? And and they grieve. We grieve. We grieve when we lose our parents. But some of them, and a large majority of them, they are tormented over their parents dying. And I'm like, I and I would sit with them and I go, you you never imagined your 95 year old mother dying. She's 95 years old. You you have to expect that her clock was going to run out sometime. Why is it hurting so much? Oh, because I loved her so much, and I just going to miss her so much. I go, no, no, that's not normal grief. There's normal grief that you go through for the loss of anybody that you love, but when it gets down to a personal level, something else is going on. And the sad part, mm -hmm. Sarah, is with. 90% of my patients and their survived children, their children lost the opportunity when their parent died of finding out whether they were truly loved by their parent. That's what has hurt them so much. That, or they've lost the only person they believe loved them. Right. So those two reasons torment children when they lose their parents and unfortunately the the former is more true they they lost the chance to find out whether mom or dad really loved them because they never felt loved enough that's why it hurts so much because there is a part of us that knows that life does continue and that's and a lot to do with go ahead what were you going to say yeah and a lot of that is a generational thing. You know, my mum died at 95 and, um, you know, both my mum and dad were not in a cuddly people. Uh, that most certainly not a good marriage. Um, my mum was very insecure, incredibly talented, very beautiful, but always seeking kind of that love validation, which didn't get my husband, didn't get from her family and uh, needed from her children as well. And I remember her saying to me, you're bringing your children up the way you want to be brought up because I'm a hands-on, kissy, cuddly person, right? Even now, my kids are in their 30s and, you know, it's still hugs and kisses. Um, you know, that's the food for each other, right? that nourishment. And the thing is, when you understand how they were brought up and the fact that they weren't kind of given that kind of love, then you understand why they couldn't show it to you. But that doesn't mean they didn't love you. It just meant that they'd never been given permission to show it in such a way or being told that that was being too, you know, you've got to bring your kids up with discipline. Um, too much love will make them soft. So let us turn the clock back and look at our parents and how they were brought up. And then don't expect more from them than what they're able to give. And that's out of any relationship, really, isn't it? Yes, you're 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 right. But here is the problem, though. As a child, you don't know that. You understand that later on. Yes. But we are not just adults. Like you and I, we're not just this age. 
we're an accumulation of our entire yeah. lifetime. And so you're the little girl of Sarah and little Vince is still within us that are harboring those scars. Yes, and quite true. honestly, those scars, that little child within you influences you more than you ever know. Because you yeah. first start out with this first set of beliefs when you're younger, the maladaptive beliefs, I call them the I'm nots, I'm not good enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not lovable, worthy enough, whatever. You're harboring those. That's right. And as you get older, you spend the rest of your life developing a new set of beliefs to shield you from those. So they're constantly at work influencing you. Now, more than psychologically is spiritually. Take those beliefs and plug them in the wall now and give them power. Yeah. So every time a person wants to create something or manifest something, anytime a person wants to attract their knight in shining armor or their princess in their lives, they think the adult mind is saying, oh, I deserve true love. Oh, I want a family. I'm going to get a really good person there. But before that is released into the universe to start manifesting, that little inner voice, that little child deep down turns around and says, but you're not lovable. You're not yes. good enough. You're not going to get anything that's going to work. And even if you start, it's, it's going to fail. And now that energy goes out into the universe. And yes. that's what you attract. And so now you're in a relationship that it seems good to start with. But then all of a sudden it starts going sour because that's exactly mm. what you expected. You get what you expect. You create what you believe and you attract what you believe. So all of these failed relationships are all about living up to your unconscious expectations. And that's what happens with most people and they don't realize it. So most of my work is to bring that inner voice to the surface so that way you can heal it because that's where the healing starts. So whether you're an adult or not, and you can consciously say, oh, I know my parents, they did the best they could. I know my parents did that. After all the abuse they put me through, my wife and I as adults actually built a home to move them in to take care of them until they passed. I did not let the way they had treated me get in my way because I was already healed through all of that. Right, right. But little Vince, still pops his head up and wants to say, oh, you're not good enough. You're not lovable. She can leave you or you're not going to get what you want. And I have to be on top of him because that little human has been scarred. Every injury causes a scar, Sarah. And even though you take, the, take, take, take care of the issues from that yes. injury, the scar still remains behind and it yeah. becomes inflamed every so often. That's what people have to understand. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've just kind of described my story there and, you know, and issues that I know that I still have. And it doesn't matter how intellectually we know we have this issue. It, it's the scar tissue uh, that, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to let time. You know, I, I've got the love of self. I'm worthy of love and somebody will love me in my light. And then, as you said, the little scarred you know, innocent inside there goes, yeah, but can you trust it? Is it real? You know, is it going to let you down? And and it's like, how do you suppress that voice? <laughs> you don't suppress it. That's the problem. 
It's been suppressed all these years. You have to reparent the child. Mm -hmm. um, John Bradshaw was a counselor and he became well known at the exact same time period Wayne Dyer did. They both had PBS programs on. Um, John Bradshaw's was called, based on his book, The Homecoming, Reclaiming and Championing Your Inner Child. Mm -hmm. And he basically coined the phrase reparent the inner child. He worked with clients to actually go out and get a doll or get a teddy bear and personify that teddy bear and doll as their inner child and talk to that child and re-raise them. So every time you heard a doubt, every time you hear, oh, I can't do that, you stop and you recognize that's not the adult in me talking, that's the little hurt kid talking. So, okay, little Vince, that's not true. Everything is gonna be okay. You're gonna do fine. Look at how far you've come. So you have to talk with yourself. Otherwise that voice gets to take over. Most people don't understand that they are constantly being influenced by their little kid, nine to 10 year old, or even eight or six year old child. So that every time they wanna make a decision, they're basically without knowing going, um, do you think I should date this person? What, what do you think? You the good? You don't know, you don't like him because of the way he looks. I shouldn't go out with him. I shouldn't go out with her. She's not very nice. Or or I should. They're treating us really nice. So go, oh, you want to play? You want to okay. And that's what yeah. we're doing. We don't even know we're doing that. Yes. But that's exactly what's happening because that's what's allowing us to make the decisions and the choices that we're making, not the intuition, not the brightest side of us, the, the wiser side of us mm -hmm. that would let us know you should be with this person, you shouldn't be with this person, you could take this job, there's a better job coming, you should move here, don't worry about moving here. All of the things of life can be guided from that internal voice, but we're constantly letting that little voice control us. Yeah. That's what we have yeah. to get in control of. Right. I have a series called the Forgotten Children series, and it, uh, there's going to be a book coming out next year uh, with the people I've interviewed, and it's uh, people who were foster children or foster parents or educators or child healers. Um, I'd love you to be a part of it. Um, it and it's, it's about we have a dysfunctional society today because of the lack of really listening to our children, really nurturing our children, really empowering our children, letting them be the light that they're meant to be. And with, with that suppression of their voice, of you must do as you're told, all the abuse, um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, neglect, uh, poverty, sickness, you name it, all of that, that the poor child has to put on their shoulders and carry with them. And then you're asking them to get rid of that and be a functional adult. We don't spend enough time in raising our children and we don't ever talk about the healing of the inner child because, oh, look at me, I'm successful. I'm going to have six figure, this and that but I snort cocaine or I do heroin or I beat my wife and and this is all to kind of suppress that inner voice because I can't listen to that inner voice, right? I can't because I, I may crumble and fall. And this is one of the problems. We've, we've got to pay more attention to our children the way we raise them and that is the re-raising of them within us as well. Oh, 
Absolutely. As a matter of fact, if you look and just take the United States, we have a lot of history going on right now. We have been for the past several years. Look at the way people are acting. If you really watch them and you listen to them, what are they saying? They're saying, you don't care about me. I have to care about myself. I have to protect myself because you won't stand up for me. You don't like me. You don't love me. And, and if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. And, mm -hmm. and, and you don't give this to me. I'm going to take this away from you. And if you saw me doing this just now, I was progressively letting it look like a child because that's exactly what's coming out in each of them because they're right. Yeah. They weren't cared enough for. So now they don't believe anybody cares for them. Everybody that is lashing out is actually having a temper tantrum. And we even say today, my God, they look like such children. Yes. We had a leader that looked like a child and acted like a child, a pure child. A matter of fact, there were jokes and memes about him being in diapers because that's exactly what happened. But this was a hurt man that nobody pays mm -hmm. attention to where he came from. All they're paying attention to is was the way he was acting, the way he's still acting yes. now, because he's crying out for such acceptance and need, that emotional need that was never met. All those emotional needs that ad adults are seeking today were supposed to be met when yes. we were children. Yes. And that's what you're talking about is why we have to attend. There's even a disorder that we label the children with when in fact it's the disorder of every child on the planet attention deficit yeah. disorder we think it's the child's problem mentally no it's not it's exactly what it is saying attention deficit not because the child can't attend to the world it's because the child has been deficit of attention. And the cure yes. for it that we learned in our classes, there's a program that they developed here, which is amazing because they still don't even tie it together. The program is that both parents have to agree to spend 40 hours a week with the child on their academics and their personal life. 40 hours a week they have to spend with the child and all of a sudden the ADD goes away like that. It's magic. It goes away. Oh my gosh, this is such a fabulous program you develop. And the funny thing is the name of that program is supposed to be parenting. That's the name <laughs> of the program. That's what it's supposed to be. Parenting. <laughs> And you don't yes. have to say parenting 101 or the right way to parenting, parenting. You're supposed to attend to your child. You decide to have one. I know the world has become different. I know now both parents have to be out into the world. And actually, attention deficit disorder, the actual disorder itself, did not become apparent until after World War II. And it was after World War II that both parents needed to go out to work. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this disorder coming about, right? And I understand that. But what we have to understand, more importantly, is that we're off to start with. We're mm. wrong to start with. Parents weren't supposed to raise their children. They never were supposed to raise the children. They were supposed to have them at 13 years old. 
13 year olds cannot raise children. Yeah. But why would the human body be ready to have children at 13? Yeah. Because it was the community, the whole community were mommies and daddies to all these children. So now instead of having just two people who are supposed to love you, and I'm gonna switch a second, I just froze, hold on, I'm back. Instead of having just two people have to meet your needs, you had 20 or 30 seniors who were paying attention to you, who loved you, who met your needs, who corrected you, who raised you. And now the children felt worthy. They felt that was in the beginning. That's long past. And now all of that responsibility is being thrown on just two people who have to also make a living to keep food on the table, a house overhead, clothes on their backs. They're not paying attention to how the children are being raised just as long as they're not being abused by most of them and they survive, that's all that counts. But that's not all that counts. That's not. No. We have to change life so yes. that everybody is being treated and it starts with our children the right way. I agree with you. I mean, it takes a village to raise a child and we've lost the village mentality. You know, we've become very insular behind my own closed doors. You know, uh, you know, doors were left unlocked. I used to go take my pram and go walking around the neighborhood and and nobody worried about where I was, you know, as long as I got back on time for dinner. Uh, and that was that trust that was there. Now, if we can't see our kids in the backyard uh, or we're not sitting there with them in the front yard as they play, we're worried about kidnapping and you right. know the predators out Don't there and stop the predators it, yes and it's completely yeah my yes. mother used it's, to get um, i lived in the city and my mother used to get a phone call from the neighbor five blocks away going um paula um vincent's down here playing with one of his friends do you know that he's down here this far oh yes mm -hmm. it's okay i told him he can go okay just want to make sure just letting you know hang up yes everybody and looked she out for the each dear other. friend she was just a right. neighbor exactly everybody knew each other's number everybody was there for right. each other when they were when they were sick or when they celebrated it was a community and we've lost that sense of village and community and we're we're desperate for it i mean my daughter had a baby seven months ago and she had moved to a different part, you know, from where she, all her friends are. And she's longing to make friends with other mums um, so that there is that camaraderie because where she is, it's a bit more rural. It will be driving. There isn't the neighbor down the road. And so it, it's, you have to create it. I had to create it. I met other people um, that, you know, to this day, I have a bestie and her three kids and my three kids, you would think they're cousins. They're not, but they, they're intertwined into each other's lives. And it's because we made the effort to be there for each other, babysit for each other, share with each other, back each other up. Okay, we don't have that village anymore, and your kid five blocks down the road, but we can still create our own village. We can yeah. create our own community support and have been there together. It's also a parent being able to say, look, little Joey's doing such and such. I don't know how to cope with this. Has anybody had any experience with that? 
or I'm right. on parent overload and I've lost myself and I need some time out. You know, it's having that sounding board and that support system and that celebratory system. It's what we need as human beings because we're meant to be kind of pack creatures, aren't we? Yes, we are. A matter of fact, there is a, a beautiful psalm. I believe it's Psalm 108. I have to find out for sure. Leonard Bernstein actually wrote music for three of the psalms, actually four, including the 23rd psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's a beautiful set of music called the Chichester Psalms. And the very last song and psalm is God speaking. And it says... I put you on the earth together so you can experience unity. Yes. There, what you're talking about is unity and the yes. joy of unity. Yes. You know, why is it that we can watch a movie by ourselves and we can enjoy it, but then when it's a really good movie, what do we do? We got on the telly. Hey, Oh, you're not going to believe the movie I just saw. You got to watch it, you know, and hey, you got to go to the movies. I'll go with you. When are you going to go? All right. I got to watch it with you. You're going to love it. Why do we want to watch it with them? Why do we want to experience joy with them? Because we get that much more joy yes. watching them have joy. Yes. And have yes. Yes. <laughs> that shared yes. vibration, right? That exactly. shared illumination. Like, yes, exactly. We, we, you know, a party. Have a party and have your own beer and wine and hors d'oeuvres and just go to it yourself and see how much fun you have. Yeah. But now invite a whole bunch of people over. And isn't it funny how much more fun you can have with a whole bunch of people at a party? We created the concept of a party to understand how important it is for us to be able to have joy by sharing it with others. And yet we can't get that in our heads that that's the way we're supposed to be living all the time. And maybe not in a party all the time, but that feeling of collaboration, of teamwork, yes. of partnership, yes. of unity. <laughs> to be together, yeah. right? And I, see I, what happens when it falls apart like over here. We have civil war going on over here now in the United States. We've got one group against another group with different values, and it's making the whole group or both of them fall apart. Yeah. And that's not the way it was ever meant to be on this planet. Right. And so we have to learn that in relationships from the beginning. And one of the things we have to do is dispel all those myths that go along with this relationship thing in order to make them right. I got a tickle. <laughs> you know, manipulation. Um, there are masters of manipulation. Uh, media is masters of manipulation. Certain politicians are masters mm -hmm. of manipulation. And we know that fear sells. But, you know, somewhere on the line, we've got to take some onus of what we buy, right? And if we stop buying into all the hysteria, we stop buying into all the, the propaganda and, and just start asking the intelligent questions, uh, what's deeper with this? Oh, no, it's profit. Oh, no, somebody's out to get you. No, they want to annihilate the human race. And we, it's so easy for us to buy into that hate and hysteria than it is to buy into love and looking at really what the core intent is. And that I'm not quite that. sure where it's coming from. Please share. 
Yeah, the, but the reason is because you didn't trust or believe in yourself to start with, so you're mm. going to follow. You cannot be manipulated yes. when you're listening to your intuition. Now, as with everybody who says this to me, I do have to adjust something on you, Sarah. Okay, let me ask you this first. Have you ever heard of a movie or a television show that has been released that didn't work? Yeah, there's been quite a number of them. Quite a number of them. Now, think of this for a moment. If media mm. influences society, then wouldn't everything they put out be accepted? No. Media does not manipulate society. Society manipulates media. Reflection again. Mm -hmm. Okay, because we have to understand that they're only selling to us what we want to buy. Right. And we don't buy it if we don't want. We want to blame media because we can walk away all riled up and go, oh, well, if I didn't watch it on TV, I wouldn't be upset. No, wait a minute. How come I just saw the same thing you did? You're all upset about it and want to punch somebody in the face. I feel motivated to go out and help somebody. Right. I watch the same program. It's mm. because of where a person is coming from. It doesn't have anything to do with media. And, and here, here's another perfect example. Are we going to blame media for Hitler gaining power? Or are we going to give the responsibility to the people who chose to just go along with them? Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we want to, matter of fact, I was just told that one of the reasons why it was so easy for Hitler to come into power was because after World War I, there was all this propaganda that was spread around that they really didn't lose the war. Right that the only reason why it looked like they lose the war was because of these Jews. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they started to spread this anger feeling that we were still, we won. We actually won. We didn't lose. They made us look like we lost. So there was already an undertone of anger towards the Jewish population only because of the propaganda, okay? Right. That's what I was told. So then by the time Hitler came along and started feeding into them more, it was easy for them to have all this anger towards the Jews. But I'm sitting there going, I hear that garbage every day. I hear people trying to talk against another person every single day. And Sarah, you know what? My own intuition tells me whether to listen to it or not. Right. I have yes. a filtration system that lets me know no, that doesn't seem right. I, I, now, I know. Well, I, I happen to get along with that person. I don't know what you're talking about. So again, propaganda, a human cannot be manipulated any more than they even manipulate themselves. They're already open to that. They, right. You cannot be made you can get riled up and right, certainly right. somebody can help to make you more angry, but that's you doing that still, no matter what you hear, it's still your choice to become more angry. We cannot keep blaming 
people and things because then we don't take responsibility and we have that victim mentality. We're victims to the media. We're victims to the politics. We're victims to the government. No, we're not. We created all. Why we yeah. create it all, and you're and you're not body. even a victim to your relationship. Mm -hmm. You manifest it, and if that partner is going to mistreat you somewhere, somehow you're already mistreating yourself. Right, and they're just yeah, manifesting it physically. Right, right. Yeah. you're abusing yourself. You're having mm -hmm. an affair on yourself. You're supposed mm -hmm. to be married to your intuition and you're not even listening to it. You're off listening to somebody else. So you're having an affair on yourself and on boom, all of a sudden your spouse and partner has an affair. So you, you've got to understand that we're never a victim to the way we're being treated. We're definitely, and yes, don't get me wrong, we can get caught up in things because so much goes on here, but you're more of a manifester and a manipulator of your own mind and your own will and your own being. And as soon as you get control of that, you can control everything in the outer world then. Here's a question for you. Go ahead. Um, we've got a lot of people obviously that are angry, but there's an awful lot of people that are sad bordering depression. Mm. And it's just like feeling a lot of empaths are, right? Because they're feeling the weight of discord of disconnect in the world. They're feeling the the split of, you know, ununity. And it's there's so much want to be a part of the healing and but it, it weighs them down. And what would you say to the people that have tapped into their intuition that it is adding them, but they're feeling this weight, the heaviness, how to get beyond that so that it doesn't affect you? Well, if you're talking about an empath, that's something completely different. I do know professionals or supposed professionals, and I do know non-professional psychics who empathically feel another person's problems and negativity. That's completely different yeah. than experiencing your own personal depression. So let's talk about the empathic part. There is no such thing as a person who can feel another person's pain. Mm -hmm. because then you would be a victim again, right? right. To everybody's pain. What these people need to know is that another person's pain can ignite your own. Right. And if you're feeling down by what's going on with others, by if you're feeling down by what's going on in the world and you call yourself an intuitive, mm -hmm then it's your own issues that are being, those buttons are being pushed. Mm -hmm. And you need to still heal yourself first. Right. They may be reminding you, it's like if you watch a story or a movie about a child being abused and it, it hurts you so much, yep. not just for the compassion of that child, but you sit there and you go, I feel that child's pain. No, you know, you're not feeling that child's pain. You're feeling your child's pain. And that child on TV is reminding you of that. And we've gone in our profession, There's, it's gone out of hand with this empath stuff. There's classes for empaths. They're actually being taught that they're very altruistic and caring, sensitive people. And I'm like, no, you're not helping them. 
you're not helping them at all. They've got a mental pathology going on and they need to understand that that's what they need to heal. They're not sensitive to the world. They're sensitive to themselves. They're not right. any better or any more sensitive than you and I. They've got issues that need to be taken care of and you're distracting them from that. That's right. what I truly believe that people that work with empath now put them aside and let's bring regular depressed people coming into this to the story here and i've worked with them as a psychotherapist a depressed person finds no value in themselves mm -hmm. and so the first piece of work that i do and what's so great as a psychic i can see their value better than they can because yeah. they've been so emotionally blocked. I see their gifts. I see their talents. And I let them see themselves through my eyes, even if it's momentarily, to give them a piece of hope. They need to. And you know what, Sarah? You, this is what happened to me. I was tormented my entire youth until I was 17 years old. I was bullied in school, and I was bullied and abused at home. And that included sexual molestation, molestation, and everything like that. So I didn't believe in myself. But I did have talents. I was a young singer, actor, and dancer with, you know, very talented as a kid. And that got me through. But what got me through more is one person, one person took the time to truly get to know me and believed in me. And because of that one person's belief in me, I was able to see myself through her eyes. And I saw and I liked what she saw. Mm -hmm. And I saw myself, and now I started to be able to form my own belief. Well, and that's the woman that I'm still married till to today. Um, right. So you need someone to believe in you. So believe in someone who's down and out and trodden and in pain and hurt, and just take the time to believe in them. Yeah. And know you that there is a the God that and blessings in them too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do that all the time, actually, because I, I just seem to have people that are always drawn uh, to me for that. And it's uh, the way they see themselves. And I show back what I see of them. All right. I, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I see this. I see that. I see that. You know, and it's like, see yourself through my eyes. You know, you're awesome. And I also love the word flawsome. You know, we've all got oh, flaws. And I love the word flawsome because we are, we're awesome people with flaws. And it's like, we look at those flaws and we, we, you know, we, we try and fix them the best we can, but at least we know they're there. And if you're looking for perfection, either in a relationship, in yourself, in anything in life, you're only setting yourself up for, for failure, uh, for fall, you know, right. for hurt and pain. Well, nobody understands the true meaning of the word perfection. We mm -hmm. use it intellectually and then in the law of physics to measure something and this is perfectly this length but when you're measuring yourself perfection is having the strengths and the weaknesses together because that's what everything is it has strengths and weaknesses and that's what makes it perfect yeah. so perfection has nothing to do with just strengths alone yes. it has to do with the understanding that we're both and those weaknesses, we purposely come into the world with weaknesses because they give us opportunities to grow. Yes. Otherwise, exactly. we wouldn't be coming here. Right, right. We stay there. Exactly. Yeah, we're here to have this human experience, you know, a spiritual oh, it being is. having it's a wonderful. human experience. 
Yes. We purposely came with limitations. It's right. one thing to experience ourselves as full-blown powers, as these divine powers and lights, but well, what does it mean to grow to that? You know, yeah. what does it mean to not have that? What would we be like without having that right away? What would we be like? So we set that up, but now unfortunately, Sarah, it's gone too long to truly discover our light, which is why we're suffering. I was actually told by my guides, and when I've tranced recently, that we're all imploding because we have restricted ourselves too long. Right. We're yes. powers, and we're these yeah. giant powers, and we keep coming to the earth way too much, and so now we're restricting ourselves and we're literally just blowing up because we all want to be treated the same way. We all want to be these powers. We all want to achieve. We all want to feel special. And because our soul is sick and tired of being limited and suffering. Right. In fact, we're very slow to learn as human beings. Oh my uh, and because we keep repeating the same old pattern and it's like being there, done that, delete, move on. And you know what? That's the reason why we've got our extraterrestrial brothers and sisters coming to visit us more and more now because they're trying to hasten our evolvement like they've evolved. Right. But it's also, I believe, very, very necessary, not only for the planet's survival, but also for our equation, our energetic equation in the universe. We, yes. as a human race, have to evolve. I was given a saying four years ago, the universe is going to shake us up, to wake us up, for us to step up and change it up. And then added, grow up. And that was to grow our frequency, but also as human beings, to grow up. Yes, be the love you seek. Be the love the universe needs. Be the love the world needs. When you see things through that loving vibration, you're resonating on a frequency that can't knowingly hurt anyone else. Right. It can't hurt you because you're in that love vibration, kindness, caring, compassion, consideration, co community, um, uh, creativity. You're in that frequency. We could heal every single one of us and the entire planet if we could step up into that higher frequency. And they're begging us to turn that frequency up. And yet this last year where we thought maybe we're actually understanding they're coming together you know, the, the desire for each other as a community. And then we start seeing the split and the divide again. And it's like, it's, like I yes. don't blame them. In, in the universe, they're getting fed up with Every us. Every time we have a crisis, that's what brings us together. But here was the funny thing about this particular crisis, the pandemic. It was a time out for everyone. Right. If you think about it, if you think about it, Okay, over here in the United States, the last major tragedy that we had was 9-11, okay? Mm -hmm. And it brought everybody together. And oh, it was so wonderful, right? Well, we were so unified. And the countries came to help us and support us. Oh, you poor Americans, and we helped you, and we were, oh, and then right. Then even just recently, the Black Lives Matter thing, yes. that was so worldwide and fabulous. But we so quickly forget the feeling of what it was like to come together. Now we start complaining about you're on top of me, get away from me, I need distance from you, you're in my face, you're in my space. Then all of a sudden a pandemic comes and we're put in a timeout. Mm. Go to your room. Go to your yes. rooms. Yes. Literally, yeah. go to your rooms and don't leave. And yeah. you stay there until you calm down, until you can okay. care 
Until you know that you're not a disaster to somebody else, you can come out. Now what happens? We hate it. We don't want to be put away from each other. Now we want to come together again. And, and then it came from not caring. Well, I'm going to come outside anyway. I don't need a mask. I'm not going to get my vaccination. I don't care. And again, it's like, what is wrong with you? When are you going to learn? Yes. Yes. Sarah, the most important thing people need to understand about what we just both said about this evolving, we don't have to get there. We have to try. Right. That's all it is, because the moment we say, each of us say, this is wrong. I've got to do it differently now. I'm going to do it differently. And we start taking the steps. That's it. We're done. And I can guarantee you, we won't even stay here. We just have to come to the point of understanding you've got that choice to make. When you make the choice, you got it. You got it. And, and you know, not making a choice is still making a choice. That's right. right. You know, you got to make so, the higher choice. Yes. Higher yes. Choice. And the thing is, what, what you seed and what you water is what's going to grow. So what field yeah, yeah. of abundance do you want to be in? Do you want to be in, in drought and devastation because you're burning everything? Or do you want to see something fruitfully grow? And the other thing is plant it, water it, nurture it, and allow it to grow in the way it's meant to grow. Don't dictate how it should grow. Oh, that, oh, that definitely is true. That's so true about us, right? We always think we know yes. where we're supposed to be going. I've come to that point already in conclusion of universe. You remind me or you tell me or you guide me into oh, the best yeah. thing for me to go. I'm not deciding anymore consciously, not with my human conscious left brain. I want to use right. all of me and that's including the universe. My goodness, we have been talking so long. I cannot believe a whole hour has gone by already. Oh, easily. That's what my shows are. An hour plus. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Um, the energy. See, we exactly. need to bottle our energy, yes. Sarah. Yes. Put it out there. To Put it out there to everyone. Just turn right. up your volume. Exactly. Turn it up. The music's great. Come and dance. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know you've just written another book. Um, you, can you tell us about it and when that's coming out? Oh, goodness, yes. It's in the process of being edited currently. Um, we haven't settled on a title, but it's probably going to be Stop Stopping Yourself, The Key to Become Unstoppable. Mm. And it's all about the work that I've been doing for the past 40 years. Um, and it should be coming out in the middle of next year, 2022, uh, fingers crossed, and I'm manifesting that. So I've got to get all that done before the holidays here so I can finish editing it. So I'm very excited about that. But everybody will get to know once it comes out, uh, once it's ready to be released and even pre-sales and stuff, because it's going to be a very important, powerful book. So I'm excited. I would about love that. to have you Great. back then talk about the book. Oh, when absolutely. I'd love to be back. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for and, having me. This oh, no, my pleasure. So, your, your own radio show, Unstoppable, tell people, you know, about that, how they can get hold of you, um, your site. Give us your information, please. 
Okay. All they have to do is go to vincentjenna.com, and that's with a G-E-N-N-A, and that leads to all my other connections, all my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the typical ones, right? Mm -hmm. um, in order to get the message out there, uh, they if they go on my website, there's also a media tab. So they get to see interviews such as what we're having right now and all my other ones. I do a lot of healing where there are lost souls and ghosts, shall we say, and haunted areas. That's on my television interviews. I do a lot of television interviews. And so they can reach me through that. I have a great resource tab with um, movies and books that I recommend that people can really gain from. And then of course, any event that I'm doing is gonna be on my site that they can find. You go to YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel. They can Google me there, uh, Google me in all different places, Vincent Jenna, and you'll be directed to all these different, including the Shift Network that I just did a summit for. Uh, so there are many different ways of communicating with me. Privately, we can set up sessions or in groups. Wonderful. I mean, we most certainly do need you. I mean, we've always needed you, but you know, I feel at the present moment, the universe is saying, get on with it, get on with it, you know, and that um, if we do watch the news or hear people in the Discord, we feel, you know, that's all there is. I've been doing this now nine and a half years, and the the inspiration the illumination of people like yourself who have stepped into your meaningful purpose into your calling into your vibration and out there helping other people on their journey of life and 99 percent of them have gone through the process of their own healing and be the first one to say they're not completely healed but they're healed enough to now turn around and help others in their own healing and i think that's one of the greatest gifts you can get as i said you're a teacher as well so from from your own journey, you can turn around and teach other people to avoid the potholes. You don't have to go down the Grand Canyon, you know, and crawl back no. up. We can show you how to avoid the potholes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, why you right. to avoid the cars? Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been an absolute delight. I see you back here with your book for sure. And, uh, you know, I just. I'm hoping we've turned the tide. I'm hoping that that vibration is gathering momentum and that we're really out there right now, uh, stepping into the right frequency and letting love, that beautiful corny word, uh, love. Yes. Well, that word is exactly who we are. We don't, yes. feel, we don't gain it, we are it. Are the it. only thing we can do is repress it and not feel it but we are love. And once we release that, that's the power that empowers everything in this world. Right, Sarah? Trillion percent. Love is all. Love is all. <laughs> you know, the Beatles got it right. Back in, back in the 60s, all you need is love. Love. La, love. La, 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 la. Love. Yes, exactly. Listen to the songs, folks. There are poets, there are philosophers, there are gurus. Love is all you need. <laughs> and on that note, folks, <laughs> may you find that love within yourself. May you exude it out to others. May you raise that vibration and may you reach out to Vincent because he has got that guidance for you to help you on your own love journey. Until next time, bye for now.
We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.